0: reach new career heights with university of maryland's robert h smith school of business flexible mba and ms options gmat and gre not required learn more at go.umd.edu slash smith school university of maryland smith school of business inspired fearless unstoppable i think a new team has arrived in the afc west and their name is the los angeles chargers yeah Stops. Launches deep. Jalen Guyton. He's got it. Herbert fires open, making the grab. Mike Williams down the sideline. seventeen, yard line. Look out again. Carr intercepted.
1: What do you think, man? <laughs> I can get on board with that. Play it again. Play it again. Play was... it again. I'll play it again at the end of the podcast. That was so, fun, man. I, I don't know how I created that, but hey, that for you listeners who awesome. just listen on the, the podcast, we're on YouTube now. Uh, and if you're just listening through Spotify or Apple Pods or where you get your podcast from, you probably didn't see that, so you have to go into uh our YouTube channel. Uh, I think it's at LAC Shock Therapy, and you'll get a chance to take a look at that. But I, I created our own little intro, something that's not copyrighted, uh, because yeah. we got flagged immediately by YouTube for <laughs> for Thunderstruck. So a little bit different, a little bit of fun. Uh, get When you get a chance, come subscribe and take a look at the video. But it gave me goosebumps, man. I was all excited about it.
2: I'm ready to go. Um, reliving some good memories there in the highlight clip, and then I love the the Stephen A. kind of intro. It, it sets the whole tone. Like, oh yeah, this is <laughs> this is about to be intense. It's a great. That's a great little intro. I liked it. Yeah. I have I have my screen split up so like half is the our video, um, and then the other half is, is notes that I have. Um, but for that, I had to blow up the full screen and, and get that on my. <laughs> full screen layout to see what was going on. That was that was awesome.
1: Well, I don't think anything there is copyright other than maybe Stephen A. Smith, but other than that, uh, it should all be good to go. So new intro so that we're not lo- no longer being flagged for copyright issues. Uh, really dead time in Chargers football right now, which is killing me. Yeah, there's not a whole lot going on. Uh, so we will be breaking down the our AFC West opponents this week is the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, I have notes here to pull up the depth chart. I'll do that on the side. But in terms of of free agent additions, they did sign uh, wide receiver Juju Smith-Schuster, safety Justin Reed from Houston, uh, wide receiver Marquez Valdez-Scantling from Green Bay, uh, running back Ronald Jones from the Buccaneers, uh, Dion Bush, who hasn't been relevant since he was drafted, uh, Jermaine Carter, another backup to Willie Gay, Nick Bolton, just kind of a depth piece. They also re-signed Orlando Brown. Franchise tagged him anyways. They're working on a long-term contract. Uh, It looks like Andrew Wiley re-signed, is presumed to be their starter at right tackle. Uh, They re-signed Michael Burton and Blake Bell and Derek Nottie. Um, They also had a couple draft picks. Why don't you talk about the draft picks a little bit?
2: Yeah, the, the Chiefs always have one of the most frustrating drafts cause it's, they always get great players to slide to them and then they're very, it's a very class organization. They don't, you know, they don't miss very often and, um, uh, watching them draft this year was the same that I've seen for the last 10 years. Just a very, very efficient draft with some really good players that, um, I wanted to be wearing the, the Chargers jerseys this year, but first, first pick, first their first of their first (laughs) sorry they had two first round picks (laughs) the first of them uh 21 overall cornerback trent mcduffie out of washington absolute stud a dog played for the dogs is a dog a little undersized but he's going to make up for it because he's an absolute gamer um at the 30th overall pick and still in the first round, D.N., George Karloftis, Purdue, one of those steals that I was talking about. It seems every year they got a guy who shouldn't be there, um, is on the on the board when they pick. Um, that's two outstanding picks for them at the top of the, their draft. And then get a double dip in the second round, 54th pick overall, wide receiver Sky Moore. Western Michigan, a guy who can do a lot of things, um, with the ball in his hand, um, a, a, weapon that I was excited to get in, uh, paired up with, with Justin Herbert. Didn't happen. Now he's a, now he's a division rival. That's not great. Um, also another second round pick, 62 overall. Got a sa- safety, Brian Cook out of Cincinnati. Um, that pick, I'm just okay about. Uh, but then third round linebacker Leo Chanel out of Wisconsin. That was a guy I was really liking. I I, I thought he could be you know add some juice to, to our linebacker room after l- losing Kaiser White uh, again over there in Kansas City. Going to see him twice a year. Um, fourth round they swooped up cornerback Joshua Williams out of Fayette, Fayette State. Uh, fifth round, again, doesn't make any sense how this guy's still on the board. O-tackle, Darian Nard out of Kentucky. And then they get Justin Ross, who slipped through the cracks. No one wanted to uh, take a chance on uh, the receiver out of Clemson. Um, he winds up in Kansas City. So just a, a top-to-bottom really good draft. Let uh, Just let players fall to them that filled the need and um got themselves some really, really good rookies coming in.
1: You know, their linebacking room is stacked. Leo Chanel fits them so well just because yeah. of their, 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 they like to use their linebackers and blitz them, um, and he was probably one of the best guys at getting out of a quarterback from that middle linebacker position. I don't really know much about Joshua Williams. You know how high I was on Darian Kennard, and then Justin Ross has been making plays headlines over there in Kansas City as an undrafted rookie, somebody a lot of people thought was going to be drafted in the first round um, pre, before his injury. Uh, so he's just, he's a really, really good player. And there's no way he doesn't crack the starting lineup, even with their receiving core. Uh, in terms of losses, their their biggest loss is going to be Tyreek Hill. They traded Tyreek Hill from, to Miami, which is where they got a lot of those picks to draft a lot of those players. Uh, they lost the Honey Badger. He's going to be in New Orleans. That's a huge loss for them as well, kind of their, Um, Their Derwin James of their defense, their leader, Uh, that's a huge hit just from that leadership uh, position. Uh, They lost cornerback Shavaris Ward. I also think this is a major loss for them as well. Uh, They did sign some some players. They have some players there that can kind of fill that void, though. Uh, They lost Melvin Ingram to Miami, Jerron Reed to Green Bay, to Marcus Robinson to Las Vegas, Byron Pringle to Chicago, Mike Hughes to Detroit. And then the last and probably the least important, they they probably couldn't wait to get rid of him. But Daniel Sorensen is also uh, gone. Um, just taking a look over their depth chart, I mean, it really starts at Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is the best player in football, um, makes them competitive every single year. One of the richest man, men in the NFL signing a $500 million contract. Uh, I think that this offense and this whole team really starts with Patrick Mahomes and then everything else matters but not to that extent because he's going to be able to cover up a lot of issues for them. Uh, I'll let you go ahead and talk about their running back room, Clyde edwards Hilaire, and Ronald Jones.
2: Yeah, well, for, first I just want to kind of say like just just to back backtrack to the losses. Um, I think it's so frustrating year in and year out the the Kansas City just dominates the AFC West and then goes and competes, goes on a Super Bowl run and then re-signs everybody. This is the biggest time you know, biggest rollover of talent um I've seen in Kansas City since Patrick Mahomes has taken over. You know, it hasn't been like that with him uh at the helm of the, of this team. So it'll be interesting with all these new paces, all these new faces of uh, those those guys that you mentioned that are no longer in the organization. Um are they still the same dominant AFC West powerhouse that we've grown to, grown to know? Um, it'll be interesting to see. This is like the first year in a long time. I feel like this division and this conference is, is wide open. Um, but moving to the running back room, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire still entering his third season, uh, very young back, likely the starter there. Um, but he's going to be splitting time with Ronald Jones, who in 2020 was, was – Starting over, uh, Leonard Fournette over there in Tampa Bay, they switched back roles this past season, but he's a really good, um he's a really good young running back as well. I, I think he is probably more fit for a backup role, but both of those guys are capable of impacting both the running game and the passing game. Um, and the, with you no know, Tyreek Hill in house, um, Andy Reid and, and, and the Chiefs are going to have to find some creative ways to get their uh, running backs involved in, in this offense. Behind them, they have Jerry McKinnon, who's been the third-string running back in Kansas City forever. Um, I don't really put much um, you know, stock into, into his name um, because I think Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, Ronald Jones, those are two really, really good backs at the top of the depth chart, and they're going to be getting a lot of touches between the two of them.
1: You know, Ronald Jones averaged 5.1 yards per carry in 2020, that is an insane statistic. Uh, I, I Even with that, he still lost his starting position to Leonard Fournette, which is probably yeah. why he wanted to go someplace where he could potentially take on a lead back role. And Kyle he- Edwards Hilaire has not played up to the potential that made him the 32nd pick uh, just a few seasons ago. Um, he's, I think he's going to be able to carve out a, a pretty strong role for them. And I think he has lead back potential. Um, Leonard Fournette's just kind of a different animal ever since he came out of LSU. But I still think Ronald Jones, he was a USC cat, right? I believe. Ronald,
2: uh, let's see here. Ronald Jones out of USC.
1: Yeah. So does he come in and take that lead back role, do you think? Uh,
2: I don't think he takes I, – I think, you know, can he compete for it? Definitely. I think that's why they brought him in. But I, to me – to me, he's just a really, really good running back, too. Um, he could start for you if your starter goes down. But I like to be able to split carries between them, be able to play the hot hand, because running back is such a rhythm position. And when you look at both of these guys' careers, they have just no type of consistency. Like, looking at Ronald Jones, four years in the league, um, didn't really play a whole lot and as a rookie. Only appeared in nine games, didn't have any starts. Um, then 2019, he really took off, finished with, was it a thousand? His first thousand, uh, scrimmage yard season. Um, that got him starting minutes in 2020. He started 13 games over Leonard Fournette, had that really good year, 5.1 yards, uh, per carry on the ground. Um, had a career high, 1100 yards. And then last year, they delegated him to a backup role. Um, his his confidence, his production plummeted, um, and then he couldn't really find his rhythm. Now you look at Clyde edwards hilaire he had a phenomenal rookie season in twenty twenty. I say it was a
1: hot start. Yeah, it was definitely a hot start for him, but yeah. I think that the consistency wasn't there um, is ultimately what it comes down to, to me. I think Clyde Edwards Hilaire is going to be more regulated to a, a third down back catching passes out of the backfield or Ronald Jones is going to be your between the tackles runner. They have that ability to kind of handle those, um, those different kinds of roles for them.
2: That's fair. Um, no. And I think it's good for both of them because there's, and they complement each other very well. I think uh, Ronald Jones, I think is a much powerful runner and I think Clyde Edwards Hilaire is a better finesse player. Um, but, uh, well, and Clyde Edwards Hilaire has gotten much better, um, just catching the football at, at the pro level. Uh, he, he, his rookie season caught 36 of his 54 targets, just 66% catch percentage. Um, and then last season he got a lot less targets, 23 targets, but he caught nine, nine uh, 19 of them. So almost 83%. So he's getting better. I just think he needs some rhythm. Like it, it it's, they cut his. He went from LSU, um, getting about twenty touches a game. Uh, the center, f- you know, the centerpiece of that LSU offense when he was there. Well, uh, much more. No, that was, was Jamar Chase
1: and Justin You're Jefferson right. and Joe Burrow. But he was really, really good in his role because teams couldn't stack the box against him. And LSU had a super team that season, from You're the right. offensive line to the quarterback to the wide receivers. He didn't have to do a whole lot to be great because. He wasn't the focus. Jamar Chase was the focus. And Joe Burrow was the focus.
2: Yeah. Well, my, my, I guess my, the point I'm trying to make with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is that he went from LSU, where he was getting about 20 touches a game, to his rookie season, where he was productive, especially at the beginning of the year, but was getting about 16 touches a game. Now, last season, he was getting about 13 touches a game. That's a lot. That's really hard as you're adjusting to the speed of the NFL, but then your carries in a, a position to that is so dependent on rhythm and, and finding your groove. Uh, he just has had no. Cons- they they just need to figure out a way to use this guy because he's a player. Um, they're just not using him the right way. I think Ronald Jones gives him them a chance to only use Clyde Edwards Hilaire in situations that he's going to thrive in. So it'll be. I, I'm. Ex- I wouldn't say excited. Um. But very interesting to, to see him play.
1: I'm not excited to play against him, right? But like, I
2: guess that's where, of the player, where
1: like, he's he's a fun player to watch. He was, at least in college. There was a reason he was drafted yeah. in the first round. Kind of a small scat back, right? That's kind of his role. Uh, moving over to wide receivers, uh, their starting wide receivers right now is Juju Smith-Schuster, Nicole Hardman, uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling. They did draft Sky Moore. They still have Josh Gordon. They have Justin Ross. <laughs> Josh Gordon may not even make this team. I, I think it's going to be highly unlikely that he comes in and really takes that role. Uh, he's just way past his prime. Too much with the off-field incidences ended up really limiting his development because uh, he was a hot player when he started his career. Um, but I want to know, out of that group, let's assume that it is Juju, Marquez valdez uh, Nicole Hardman, Sky Moore, and Justin Ross as their, their top five. How does mm-hmm. that compare to Tyreek Hill, McCole Hardman, Byron Pringle, and Marcus Robinson from last season? Is this a better, deeper wide receiver group, or does Tyreek Hill kind of mask a lot of what they lost? Yeah. Or I, no longer gained?
2: I hear it. Yeah. Um, I think overall impact on how 2021's receiving core could put stress on a Defense and impact, uh, football game. I think this 2022 class or 2022 core is a little, is is a step down in that regard because of Tyreek Hill. But now when you look at two through five, I think they're significantly better. They've upgraded from every position, um, on the bottom half of the depth chart. Um, and so I think they're a much deeper room. I think they're a much more you know from receiver to receiver a more versatile room um but when you just look at the 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 head of that there's receiver core juju compared to Tyreek Hill i think there's a massive drop off in 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 talent there um no no disrespect to juju it's just tyreek hill is a different animal what the the pressure that he puts on defenses um and him to me he's like a Steph Curry type of talent to where he doesn't even need to have the ball in his hand all the time to garner attention, to draw away attention from other people. It it makes people other people around them better. And so I think from two to five, I think twenty twenty two is much deeper class. Um but an overall way to you know, overall talent wise, I, I think twenty twenty one is is better. Um just because of that, that superstar talent on the top of the depth chart and Tyreek Hill.
1: I think that they were looking at their depth chart and they're looking at McCall Hardman, and they think that he's going to be able to replicate some of that speed, maybe not sure. to the same production, right? But they they it's weird because you got Juju Smith-Schuster, McCall Hardman, and Sky Moore who are all excel in the slot. Marcus valdez Scantling, he's fast. Don't get me wrong. He's tall. Don't get me wrong. But playing stride. with the best quarterback, in my opinion, Aaron Rodgers is is the best quarterback in the NFL, even above um, today, even above uh, Patrick Mahomes. He was not super productive playing with that level of quarterback, knowing that uh, teams are going to be drawn to Devontae Adams, and he still wasn't able to, to get it done in the same fashion. And then Justin Ross, I think, is going to play a much, much bigger role Uh, in this team, even though he went undrafted, I feel like he's going to come in. He's going to earn starting reps. I think he's going to earn them over Marquez Valdez-Scantling because I think he's just able to do more, more talented, better at catching the ball, better at tracking. Justin Ross is a beast. He's an animal. And the fact that he went undrafted, nobody even took a seventh-round flyer on him is insane to me.
2: It, depth wise, the receiver room in Kansas City is deep because they also have, uh, Darice Fountain and Cornell Powell who were. I didn't even think about Cornell Powell, right? They're training camp darlings from last season. So it'll be, there's a lot of receivers, uh, over there in Kansas City, um, you know, vying to pat, uh, catch balls from Patrick Mahomes this season. So there's a lot of bodies. I, I don't see any way how Josh Gordon, um, f- finds a way onto this roster. Because there are, yeah, seven yeah. legit receivers right now, um, not including
1: Gordon. So I do agree with you. I think it is a deeper room this year. I think they're lacking that top-end talent. But, you know, Juju Smith-Schuster has a 1,400-yard season under his belt. So he's able to do it. He hasn't been healthy the last two years. Um, and granted, I know a lot of people talk about the um, the dancing you know, pre-snap and his TikToks and all of that, whatever his platform is, right? But like in the grand scheme of things, I think Juju is a, a ball player. He's a red Throne threat. Uh, yes. He's a legit route runner, uh, and he's set for like a breakout year after the last two seasons. Been I mean, kind of down playing with Ben Roethlisberger the last couple seasons has not helped his production at all. No, he's
2: a good player, um, and I'm interested to see if he is he an actual legit wide receiver one in this league or is he just a really good one of the best wide receiver twos and now he's going to be able to prove it now he has a a great quarterback throwing in the ball um he has a a he's in a system that caters to their best players and getting them the ball in situations that you know um complement their skill set so he has no excuse if he just lays a dud this season um has a good receiver core around him great tight end to help take some pressure off uh, so, uh, some talented running backs and a great quarterback so um
1: and he's gonna notes. be challenged he's, he's gonna be playing uh jc jackson twice a year Patrick for yeah. twice a year uh be he easy. should feast against the raiders but we'll get into that next week <laughs> <laughs> travis kelsey is the best tight end in football even at 32 years old, I don't think we really have to talk about what Travis Kelsey brings to this football team. He is their wide receiver one. He is their top threat uh, on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, he just does so much so well, whether it's in the passing game, whether it's blocking, the leadership aspect of it. Uh, Travis Kelsey's a ball player. Absolutely. Uh, they also have Blake Bell and Noah Gray to, to provide some sort of depth there. Uh, there's a lot of strength on this offensive line, though, um, they're bringing back some continuity. All five starters are back. Orlando Brown's working on a contract extension. Joe Thuney's the highest paid uh, guard in the NFL right now. Creed Humphrey had a fantastic rookie season. Uh, I think he
0: was... Sheath underwear makes the most comfortable boxer briefs I've ever worn. If you're sick of boxers that are too loose or briefs that are too tight, Sheath is for you. The most comfortable boxer briefs you'll ever put on your body. You see, their stretchy fabric is made out of a moisture-wicking technology. They're super soft, keep everything cool and comfortable, and right in place. Sheath is particularly useful for staying cool while working out. Promo code IHEART for 20% off your order. Sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART. Just outside of
1: making an all-pro team,
0: but he did make the
1: Pro Bowl. Uh, Trey Smith was another fantastic draft pick for them. He ended up grabbing him in like the fifth or sixth round. Uh, and then they'll bring back uh, Andrew Wiley. They also have some some depth there. Uh, Darren Kennard, everybody knows how high I was on Darren Kennard, mm-hmm. Getting him in like the fifth round. Uh, Lucas Nyang. I uh, was a third round draft pick just a couple seasons ago. Austin Reeder was a, a, a starter at center for uh in the NFL prior to Humphrey coming in. So they have some depth there. It's a very, very strong offensive line. Kind of where do you rank them among the, the best offensive lines in football?
2: Um I mean I mean, they're right up there, right? I think we're talking about the best offensive line. I think it's over there in Philadelphia. Um with, you know, the, the tackle pairing of, of Maialata and Lane Johnson. Um, I think they're the best Travis two tackles. Or Jason Kelsey, too, right? At you center. got Jason Kelsey, Landon Dickerson they just drafted, who's became a beast. Um, and then I guess Suamalo, Isaac Suamalo, their right guard, he was out with injury last year, um, but they have Jack Driscoll, who's also a dominant, well, a really good replacement. So I think that that six, to me, is the premier line in football right now. Um behind them, you know, if Tampa Bay didn't have so much rollover, losing Ali Marpet and losing boy Alex Kappa, um, I think they would be a shoe-in for number two. You know, they could they did Shaq signed, Mason. They signed Shaq Mason, but just looking at the, the Tristan Wirf's great best reticle in the game right now. Ryan Jensen great center. Uh Donovan Smith I think is just okay. Aaron Stinney's just okay they're they're solid but not the they just don't have the the one through five um that just like makes me do one of the like tilt my head back um they yeah. just don't have the depth really that i see with Kansas City and Philadelphia so i have Philadelphia one uh Kansas City right there at two um Tampa Bay really close three and then i think all three of those teams are much better than the next three teams i have on my list which would be um in no particular order I got, like, the Colts, Browns, Cowboys, and the Patriots. Um, Even with the Shaq Mason leaving, I I think those are the cream of the crop for offensive lines. But um, I think Tampa Bay, Kansas City, Philadelphia, those are my my medalists.
1: You remember, like, just a season ago, we were looking at the Chiefs having, like, a a – a bad offensive line because they were starting two rookies and we sitting there thinking man that's not going to work out for them and it ended up working out great they literally have a top five offensive line it's insane after that Super Bowl they went hard at at the offensive line and it's a really really good group it's a really young group overall I, I don't think that they have a single starter over the age of like 26 27 so They're all on long-term contracts, so they're going to be sitting with Patrick Mahomes for a while. We're going to get real comfortable um, facing them twice a year with that offensive line. Yeah, it's so
2: frustrating. I mean, it's hard to be this good in this league for this long, Um, and it's because they have great roster construction. Every single year, as soon as you think they have fell off in any one position (laughs) group— they're just laughing at you because they know what they have in-house and um, they are really confident in, in their ability to draft players, get players signed, um, but then also develop them in-house. Um, they make they make some people, you know, yeah. They make people look good over there. So, they're On the insane. defensive
1: side of the ball, start at the edges. They drafted George Karloftis. They have Frank Clark. They don't really have any depth. I thought this was a, an issue for them last season before they signed Melvin Gordon or Melvin Ingram. Uh, but George Karloftis, kind of what are your expectations for him in his rookie season? Because he's slated to be a starter. He's going to play a lot. Uh, I feel like they are weak at edge, so they're looking for for a lot from him. And I don't think Chris Jones is going to be playing off the edge this season. I think he's moving back full-time to the interior. I think Frank Clark's a, a shell of himself. How how big of an impact does this rookie have to this defense?
2: Oh well, he's going to be—he's going to be extremely important. I mean, he's going to be the motor that makes this defense work. Because I, I think you still have to respect Chris Jones on the interior. He's probably going to be the most game-planned, um, you know, the most schemed-up uh, uh, defender on this Kansas City defense for opposing offensive coordinators. But beyond that, I'm spending a lot of time on. Game planning and, and trying to find a way to get George Karloftis off his game, because I'm really not scared. You, you got their linebackers to worry about, but you got to take care of the first line of defense first. And so, um, I think teams are going to spend a lot of attention on the rookie George Karloftis. If, but he needs a, he needs a double digit sack season for this team to. Be where it wants to be. Um, you know, defense has not really been as important for the Patrick Mahomes years because Patrick Mahomes can just score 50 points a game. Um, I don't think he's going to have that luxury this season with no Tyreek Hill and a lot of new offensive pieces trying to get, you know, familiar with them. So I don't think they're going to be able to rely on these offensive shootouts that they had in the past. They're going to need their defense to play better than it has the last five, six, seven seasons. Um, and George Koloftis is going to be very, very important because they have no type of pass rush. Um, like you said, Frank Clark, not the player he was. Um, they have some really good linebackers that we were talking about. Nick Bolton, Jermaine Carter Jr., Willie Gay. They're all capable of getting after the passer. Um, but if you have no no type of pressure or no type of if you're not getting pressure up front, um, it's not. there's only so much those second-level players are able to do.
1: Chris Jones is going to be able to apply interior pressure. Uh, he's just excellent at doing that. And then you look at George Karloftis, Frank Clark. I think of them as better run defenders than they are pass rushers. George yeah. Karloftis is an animal, don't get me wrong, but I don't see him having this 10-sack outstanding season. Uh, I think that he's going to need help from around him. He's going to have to be schemed. I think that a lot of teams are going to scheme toward his side over Frank Clark because I'm not afraid of Frank Clark. Frank Clark hasn't been dominant since he was in San Francisco, in my opinion. I also think that the depth of this defensive line is very, very weak. Mike Dana, Mm -hmm. Joshua kane Doe, Taylor Stallworth. I mean, I don't even know who those guys are. They still have Kaylin Saunders there. Uh, They have Cortez Broughton, uh, and those guys are – third and fourth um, depth pieces for them. So I I think that they're just an injury or two away from really, really struggling on the defensive line. Uh, Linebackers, you talked about them a little bit. Nick Bolton, Willie Gay are are really, really, really good linebackers. Uh, Leo Chanel, I think, is going to push to be that third linebacker uh, when they are in base sets. Um, But Willie Gay and Nick Bolton is kind of that duo that you're looking at being on the field quite a bit for them. Yeah, um, So I, I, I kind of almost feel like linebackers the strength of this team overall. Now, moving into their secondary, Trent McDuffie, excellent pick. Somebody mm-hmm. we wanted to, to potentially grab. Uh, 17th overall, he ended up going 21st. Uh, they also have LeJarius Sneed, who's played very well. Uh, kind of an upward trajectory for him. Uh, Juan Thornhill, and they replaced Honey Badger with Justin Reed. Just going about that loss of of the honey badger, like how big is it? Them losing essentially the heart of their defense, and and what are going to be the rippling effects of losing a player of his caliber in that leadership?
2: That's huge. Um, I mean, you really suck in the soul out of of that side of the ball. Um, honey badger did so many things for them. Even it, obviously, we we could, you know, casual fans, you see the the production. Um, he had on the field breaking up passes, intercepting passes, tack, um, you know, being the stout tackler he was. But the impact he had on the guys around him, his ability to lead, his ability to, you know, let guys be confident in their roles and not having to overcompensate, um, that, you know, that is invaluable. Um, and they're going to have to learn to lean on each other in a different way that, um, they didn't really, you know, that they didn't have to worry about when you had honey badger back there. Cause you know, he's an all pro, you know, he's going to take care of his business. Let me just focus on myself. I think you're going to see a lot, especially in the secondary overcompensating uh, guys trying to do too much, um, kind of fill in for other people where they see, you know, somebody else slipping up. Um, it's going to take a while for them to build up that. What is it? Uh Trust in, in one another. Um, and I think, that leadership and that faith uh, with Honey Badger back there is going to take some time for them to find themselves.
1: You know, it's a really, really young secondary. Um, Mm -hmm. Trent McDuffie, Jerry Sneed, DeAndre Baker, Brian Cook, Rashad Fitton, Justin Reed, they're all under 25 years old. Juan Thornhill is the oldest player still in a rookie contract. He's 26. They're losing a veteran presence, a guy that kind of helped get everybody in position, hyped everybody up. And they don't have that leader unless you're looking at Justin Reed, who is a, a really good player. Uh, but Justin Reed is probably the, the 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 veteran in that secondary. And, I mean, how great has Houston been over the last couple of years? It's it's not been good for them, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Um, I think that, that the biggest thing that they're missing is just the veteran presence. The playmaking ability, obviously, I mean – Uh, Honey Badger, he made a lot of plays for them. Um, But in the grand scheme of things, losing a player of that caliber, I mean, I feel like teams are going to be able to feast on this secondary quite a bit, especially with a a lack of pass rush. Um, Mm. I I think it's going to be really, really difficult for them to to really stay on top. Uh, They do have a really good special teams unit, though. Harrison Butker is one of the better Place kickers in the NFL, Tommy Townsend's a reliable uh, punter. McCole Hardman's going to be returning punts. Uh, He's going to be returning kickoffs. He's got Jets, he's got Juice, he's got Speed. Um, It's going to be a really strong group for them as well. And then you throw in the fact that you can also have Sky Moore be a returner there. Marquez Valdez-Scantling has the Speed, the Jets, if they really wanted to just go straight Speed on kickoff and punt. Um, Kick, return, punt, return. And, but I think when you look at the coverage units, outside of their linebackers, I think that they're also going to struggle um, with a lack of experience, lack of veteran leadership. Um, I, I don't think that their their coverage units are going to be very good this season.
2: You don't, you don't think the coverage – well, I think the initial coverage is going to be fine, but I do think you made a good point about the lack of – pass rush they're going to be have to defend for six seconds at a time which is is undoable i think the initial first four or five seconds which is a typical nfl play i think they're going to be all right it's these extensions of plays once people get out the quarterback gets out of a pocket once receivers you know make that secondary break to
1: continue you know keep that play alive i think that's when they're going to
2: start to crumble
1: do you think that the uh the Chiefs are a little overhyped just because of Patrick Mahomes?
2: No, um, I don't think they're as good as they've been in the past, but I think they're as hyped as they, they deserve the hype. Um, To me, they are the power of the AFC until we, you know, when they, as soon as they don't make two conference finals uh, in a row, um, then maybe I'll I'll start considering it. But at, at this point, what Patrick Mahomes can do, I just can't doubt it. Um, I think that the, the hype is right where it's supposed to be. I think they're a really good team, not roster-wise, um, what they've been in the last couple of seasons or during their Super Bowl runs. But in, in, until they are stopped, um, I think you have to respect them.
1: You know, I think that defensively, I mean, they've always been an offensive-heavy team, but their lone star, their only star is Chris Jones right now that's their only defensive star at all. And I think that teams are going to be able to score. And I think that they're going to have to put up a lot of points and when games and track meets, and when you look at them playing strong defensive teams, I, I don't think that they're going to be able to get into that, that race. Uh, I think that they are a little overhyped because I think that their defense is suspect. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got some good players, but they just lack the star power on the defensive side, the, the veteran leadership on the defensive side, and I think they're going to crumble a little bit. Um, I have them closer to a, a, a ten and seven, nine and eight season than you know their previous, you know, going on eight game win streaks. It's just not going to happen this year.
2: I, I think that I think that is is probably fair, but with the. With our division, I think ten and seven is getting into the playoffs. Um,
1: you know, even then, though, like ten and seven in our division is a lot to ask for.
2: That, that's what I'm saying. I think the winner of that division will be in that range. Because um, i was telling you, I think, I think the winner of the, our division goes four and two. Um, I don't think, and I could see it just being a split across the board, meaning have two teams go three and three um, because it's so like the parody in the AFC West is is unreal. Um, But I will make a point just because just because it is the Chiefs and I hope you're right because I'm so sick and tired of them uh, just being so dominant. But we did just talk about how we were kind of laughing at the Chiefs offensive line not too long ago and then. Once one dominant season later, um, they're the best in the league. So there's a lot of young, up and coming guys on this t- Chiefs defense who want to make a name for themselves. So it, if those guys step up, um, play, you know, the rules that I think this organization believes that they can play, um, they could be another nightmare, uh, team to play this season. I hope that's not the case, um, cause I'm ready for some new blood in the AFC West representing the AFC in the Super Bowl this season. Um, but we'll have to see. It's it's early. Training camp hasn't even started. Um, but that's why I am so giddy. And you can hear the excitement in my voice because we're all zero at zero. We all have a chance right now.
1: But, you know, the other thing I'm looking at with this team is there's there we the AFC West not only has to play themselves, but the NFC West is not an easy matchup either. Granted, the Seahawks should be a cakewalk, but the Cardinals are going to be good. The Colts are going to be good. The uh, Titans are going to be good. And those two teams in particular, the Colts and Titans, they're a ground-and-pound team. Those those teams, like they're not going to let you – they're going to control the clock. And I don't think that this defense is going to be able to stop that and prevent that. Um, even outside the division, it's they, they play the Packers. Uh, they play the Bucks. I mean, it's a really – they play the Bills. Geez, this is a really, really difficult schedule for them. You know, I might even put push them down a little bit and, and down to like nine and eight. Um yeah, like it's it's gonna be it's gonna be rough for them because they have some some hard matchups this season. I mean, to draw the the out of division conference uh games that we're not gonna play the Packers, right? Like that's gonna be a real tough matchup for them. Um, and the Bucks, like that's just insane that they're playing those two teams. Um, yeah, so that's, what, they, that's, that's what you get when
2: you're that good for that long. People want to see you play against the the top teams. They want those, uh, you know, potential Super Bowl previews in the regular season and that they can sell those tickets easier. So
1: that's what you get because, for being so good. Because the AFC West is so strong, I don't think that there's going to be two teams from our division that make playoffs. It's going to be there tough, might, right? It might just be the division winner. And then you're going to have a, a team that in a, in a different AFC or AFC conference who has an easier schedule, who has a higher record, end up getting in, even though they're the inferior teams. So there's a chance that they don't even make playoffs, which is crazy because nobody's on that radar. But I think that this defense is suspect. And that's what it comes down to me. So it is what it is. Uh, you got any closing remarks? Um,
2: just that whatever team comes out of the AFC West this year, whoever squeaks their way to a division crown, has to be the you know front runner for the Super Bowl just because of the the, the battle. Te- they're playing seventeen game playoff season. It's the seventeen playoff games each team. So uh, I'm excited. I'm ready to get into it. When does training camp start?
1: Training camp starts on the 27th. I will be there opening day, uh, which actually oh. brings me to something I wanted to talk about. It's my magazine. Yeah. <laughs> so I did just ship uh, everybody's magazine. The mailman literally just came and g- picked them up before we hopped up on the podcast. I did send you your copy. Um, yes. I have sent all but 18 copies. So if you're not getting a copy within the next week, there's a high probability you're getting a Sean Merriman signed edition. Well, so stay Tune for that. Your goal is to not receive a magazine next week. That is your goal. So I did ship them to Sean Merriman uh, on Wednesday. Um, I did see that it delivered. Uh, We'll see when he ends up sending them back, but you're basically waiting for Sean Merriman to send uh, those magazines back to me so I can get them out to you guys. Uh, I will also be at the Die Hard Boat Club events July 10th. Um, It's in Mission Bay a chance to kind of meet some of the Die Hard Bolt Club fam. Uh, so that should be fun. That's upcoming. And then I do know that the um, the Cowboys-Chargers uh, preseason matchup, the, the practice for that is open to season ticket holders only. I don't know if I'll have a chance to make it to that because my wedding and honeymoon, I'm pretty sure overlaps on both of those. Uh, so that's upcoming. But I will definitely be there on the 27th, you'll get a chance to get a magazine there. Um, and then I'm also doing a couple giveaways uh, through charger chat, through chargers unleashed. I think I reached out to the guiltiest charge guys to see if they all wanted to, to give away some copies. So you have a chance to get your hands on one of those. Uh, I'm running out though. Um, printed 125 copies. I, nice. I mailed 75 of them today at about $3 a piece. So, came out of pocket quite a bit in postage, uh, but that's all coming out. Um, and we also have a giveaway in case you guys don't know for two tickets to the Rams chargers preseason game. Uh, if you want to get a chance, uh, there's a, I think you just have to retweet and follow us. Uh, the, the tweet is the magazine tweet. Um, and we'll be giving those out on the 27th as well. So two tickets with parking, um, and I think that's everything I have to kind of get out to everybody.
2: Perfect. Yeah, I was going to remind you of the magazine because um, I was just so excited to see them printed. Uh, it, it's one thing looking at it, you know, in, in, in design. Um, but seeing it actually physically printed out is. Uh,
1: it looks valid. so good. There's a little it's tiny best. things that like I'm starting to find. They're kind of annoying. Like there's a white strip across the very top uh, mm-hmm. of the, the magazine cover. Um, but, for the most part, it came out it 's the best one i 've written yet um just visually, just the way that inDesign does all that stuff. I had a lot of fun writing it i 've already started writing the new one um kind of yeah. a sneak peek i I did do a ladanian Tomlinson piece uh, that kind of breaks down. You had a chance to read that uh yeah. his career going from mm-hmm. his childhood into the Hall of Fame and you know post charger life where he does a lot of things through the um the Ladainian Thomason Foundation and, and those things. So uh, that'll be coming out. Hopefully, my goal is to finish the next magazine uh, by February, I would say, would probably be the timeline I'm shooting for. I'd like to do two a, a year. It's a lot to try to fit in, but we'll see how that goes.
2: Ambitions, gotta have goals.
1: All right. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we will be breaking down the Raiders next week. Um, over and out
0: I think a new team has arrived in the AFC West and their name is the Los Angeles Chargers yeah